You're about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash into the portal. Vancouver Island, British Columbia. Brimming with rugged natural terrains of towering old-growth forests, glittering freshwater lakes, and endless trails into the unknown, which beckon those who wish to get closer to nature, and quite possibly some unknown creatures. However, there exists one story in particular from the 1970s that has since become part of the canon of monster lore. When a small inland lake, located on the southern tip of Vancouver Island, would become the site of a creature encounter the likes of which the region had never heard before. In 1972, the quaint recreation area of Thetis Lake would become the site of something that remains unsolved to this day. The sudden appearance of something monstrous emerging from the depths of the water, stirred up both fear and speculation amongst locals, leading some to wonder whether the boundaries between man and fish could possibly become entangled. Join us on Into the Portal as we dive into the bizarre Canadian legend surrounding the monster of Thetis Lake. Hello, and welcome back into the portal. I'm Amber Ray. And I'm Andrew McKay. And welcome, everybody. Good to be back. Good to... <laughs> yeah. Honestly, this is a fun one because we're going to our Canadian roots this week. <laughs> not far not far from home, really. Mm-hmm. We've got some family out on Vancouver Island, which is where this story takes us this evening. Exactly. Right outside of Victoria, which is also the capital of BC. Indeed. If anyone is unaware of that. <laughs> <laughs> Geography with Amber. Well, a lot of people assume it's Vancouver. True. that is the biggest city center, I would imagine. It's in, true. In our neck of the woods. But anyways, Victoria. <laughs> yeah. And we've got a little bit of housekeeping. So we've got a couple new patrons. Uh, really, really excited and stoked. We've awesome. got yeah. So we've got Sticky Sound Zine and Judge or Jose. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, Judge is how it came in. Jose was on the email, so thank you, Jose, and thank you, Sticky Sound. Jose, I just love that name. So, anyways, I had I to shout that out. Absolutely. <laughs> and we do have our little packages, so our little goodies, the ITP collectibles. Uh, they're mm-hmm. all in our way for the patrons. So we just want all of our patrons listening right now. Um, let us know when you get them. Take some pics. Hell yeah. Have some fun. If you want to post it on our socials, that would be amazing. That would be sweet. Yeah, tag us for sure. Oh, really? Twitter, cool? Instagram, whatever. Like we want to. Yeah. 
yeah, I just hope that hopefully they get there soon mm-hmm. uh, and, and that you guys will be excited and it'll make your day because it's a fun little strange pack, I, I would say. It is. Yeah, we kind of went different this time because we've done pins in the past. We got in trouble with the post office over that one. So <laughs> went a yeah. different direction for this. And for me, like... I was really excited because I got to include that new original design. Yes. So uh, yes. that uh, Into the Portal UFO, it's all coming to the patrons. Oh, yeah. And we are still coming on about doing a little fun contest of some sort. I think we're going to go a little more complicated than just doing a pick the number. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, obviously. Maybe if anyone has any suggestions, uh, throw them our way, but we're still mulling that over. We are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, open to suggestions. Mm-hmm. Nothing too hard, though. <laughs> yes. Last but not least, we do have one more really exciting announcement. So we've actually made it to the voting round, the finalist round of our local Best of Kelowna. Yeah. So this is just like a business showcase kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And they've got different categories. Somehow we got nominated in the podcast category. So if anyone has some time, we're going to post the link in our show notes. and We're going to have it on our website and we're blasting it across our socials, of course. Definitely. Uh, so if you catch wind of that anywhere, see it anywhere, we would really appreciate it if you guys went and voted for us. That would be really cool. Oh, massively appreciated. And it doesn't take very long, just like your email or whatever, I think is all you It's just a valid to, email. It's just a whatever. But we'd really appreciate your guys' support. Yeah. So whoever that was, thank you. <laughs> Definitely. Let's get into it, though. So like we said, this is really close to the capital of British Columbia, which is Victoria, BC, only 20 minutes away. So that means it's also only 20 minutes away give or take, from the ocean itself. And that'll kind of play into a few of the ideas that we'll talk about later on. All of this happened in and around an area known as Thetis Lake, which is a popular spot for hiking and swimming and fishing, all that kind of stuff. It says boating as well in the official description, even though the lake itself is pretty small. It's You can walk around the whole thing, like, you know, in a day if you're, if you're really keen. I think it's only maybe 10 or 15 kilometers to kind of round the whole lake. It's not super deep either, but really, really popular tourist destination. Uh, actually, it was established as a regional conservation area, the very first in Canada ever uh, in 1958. The whole area of this sort of park, I guess you would call it, 831 hectares. So definitely could be possible uh, location of other cryptid sightings as well. And I'm nudge, nudge, wink, wink, Sasquatch, obviously, because this is Vancouver Island on the West Coast, uh, you know, the Pacific Coast, right? 832 or, or in 31 hectares is a big area as well, even though we're only dealing with a small body of water. Interestingly, though, Andrew, um, did you come across this, the idea that there is a upper and lower Thetis Lake? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it looked strange on the map um, when I was just kind of like seeing like, oh, how far is this exactly from the ocean and this, that and the other. Overall, I mean, yeah, no, it's a weird kind of a shape, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it, like, it's like this upper and lower Two freshwater lakes. So this is on uh, a small, well, not a small island, <laughs> you know, <laughs> small enough, sure. But yeah, no, so it's like connected by what they call a narrow culvert. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's only uh, approximately just under, I think, 200 feet um, elevation. So not right. that high. No. Or far away from, you know, like the, the coastal plains. <laughs> Which is, I mean, I, I, I do, it's so funny because I have kind of a crazy idea for the end of this episode. And I'm already feeling your eyes burning into me when you're giving me that information, because that's just fuel to the fire, man. I love it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So the lake itself, Thetis Lake, it was named after a ship, the HMS Thetis, which is just throwback to uh, the series we just did on the Franklin expedition, dealing with all of the uh, HMS this and HMS that. Mm -hmm. And of course, Thetis is tied into Greek as well. Same as like, you know, Erebus, the 
the space oh, between, yeah? uh, you know, the afterlife uh, purgatory it, or whatever it was. Yeah, it was like this weird, like, dark realm of, like, yeah, just, like, fear and anxiety yes. and just primordial darkness or something. And, of course, they wanted it to exude that as the ship, and then it, it sort of uh, had the reverse. Uh, yes, indeed. <laughs> I digress, though. The HMS Thetis. <laughs> Which, very much like those other ships, though, a 36-gun uh, frigate, Royal Navy ship, that was assigned to this area of the coast as a part of the Royal Navy's uh, Pacific Squadron. But the word Thetis will come up for a very different reason a little bit later on. That's really interesting. Interesting. Almost uh, like a different meaning? or Yeah. I okay. mean, not a different meaning per se, but ties in to some other very, very strange things we've covered in the past. Interesting. Let me just say right off the bat, mm-hmm. when we first broached the subject... And you, you referred to a Kryptonaut episode because they've covered this in their show. Totally. And you said it really offhandedly. And <laughs> for anyone listening, and for <laughs> just keep this in mind throughout the episode, it's like fetus, like T-H, not fetus, like an F. And I always get those two. Like, it just sounds so similar to me. So, And yeah. here's the irony of this. So anybody who's, I mean, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with Kryptonaut, uh, Rob, Chris, and Mark over there, those boys, they do an awesome job, but they actually gave us a shout out in their Thetis Lake episode because they were like, I wonder if those guys know how to pronounce this. And like at the time oh. I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is Thetis Lake, not Thetis Lake. That sounds weird. You know, uh, both, <laughs> both are bad because it's like Thetis reminds me of fetish and then Thetis is fetus uh i don't know okay well <laughs> so I, good I have that. i have this definition later at the end maybe i should just give it now i i, I can't i can't i can't it's got to tie into <laughs> theories i'm not going to do that now okay get those out of your head That's... keep mythology in your head or maybe some other things not fetus and, and, and fetishes although I'm, I'm sure some people do have a oh, mer no. creature fetishes perhaps. oh okay i thought you were gonna say a fetus fetish and i was oh, like no. do not go there please i was thinking <laughs> mermaids you know <laughs> mer creatures creatures aquatic humanoids i mean there's some weird people out there man i don't know what people are into as you guys can tell this is going to be a sillier episode okay <laughs> almost like our version of the scooby-doo episode <laughs> it's you know what there's actually a lot of scooby-doo elements to this mm-hmm. like for sure oh yeah let's get into this first sighting cool finally <laughs> okay it all happened on august 17th when two boys 16 year old robin Fluellen and 17 year old gordon pike went to the local RCMP near Victoria, claiming to have been attacked by a monstrous aquatic creature while they were hanging around the beach near Thetis Lake. And it's a story that would become well-known only a few days later, on August 22nd, 1972, when the Victoria Daily Times reported that two teenage boys were chased from the beach at Thetis Lake by an unknown aquatic beast. And I had to include this quote from uh, Rob Morphy, who is such a talented writer and researcher, because as he put it in his article on the Thetis Lake monster, a voracious razor-finned quasi-humanoid is what the boys encountered that day. (laughs) Oh, man. Yikes. Definitely not what you'd be expecting on an inland lake on Vancouver Island, per se. The razors, that immediately strikes me. Yes. (laughs) That sounds dangerous. Yeah. And I just want to say right off the bat, too, it's really important to remember for this story that before it became sort of this, I don't know if you would call it a flap because there was there was only a few sightings. There wasn't a flap sightings wise, but before it became like a public story in the area, it was legitimately reported to the RCMP. The boys went directly to the local RCMP and filed a report and the attending officers fully believed their story. So 
Specifically, Fuellen and Pike, getting into the story they, ref- they relayed to the RCMP officers, they were hanging around the beach near Thetis Lake and specifically the recreational center on the North Shore when they both saw something very strange in the water. I don't know exactly what they were doing on the beach, but whatever they were doing, they were obviously not so enthralled with it that they didn't notice what else was going on around them. And they saw something that looked kind of odd. It wasn't just a fish jump or anything like that. It appeared as to the two witnesses as if something was surfacing just off the shoreline that was much larger than any creatures that would normally be in the lake. It was described by the boys as a massive swelling of water that rose up with water cascading from the mysterious object as it emerged from the water at a high rate of speed. And then, all of a sudden, (laughs) a monstrous, silver-scaled, fish-headed beast from the lake emerged. And as some have put it, uh, there's some sort of differences in the exact description, but we'll get into it in a sec. But it essentially attacked them at a high rate of speed whether it was it started this attack in the water swimming or if it was on shore like lickety split and right after them it's not exactly sure but it hurriedly headed towards the two terrified teens and within seconds it was right on their heels so they had no idea what to do but obviously fearing for their lives they ran straight for their car which was parked right next to the recreation center at the north end of the lake couldn't have been more than a few hundred yards away So they're saying that this thing got out of the water. Bipedally. Okay. So this is key. It ran after them. Okay. Creature emerges from the water and runs after them. Everyone absorb that for a minute. (laughs) Well, okay. Let me just backtrack a little bit here because in my mind, as soon as you describe this like massive swelling of water that's like moving at a high rate of speed towards the shore Mm -hmm. kind of reminds me of almost like a torpedo also brings to mind that very infamous video that was taken was it called the folden film with the okapogo in the okanagan where he filmed it from the highway from quite a distance i would imagine but it was like this a massive like a swelling of water almost like a jet swelling um, that's what I'm picturing in my head. That's kind of what I'm picturing too. Or almost like, um, I mean, yeah, like any lake monster, like whether it's champ or anything, if you think of it just under the surface moving, like, yeah, that's what I, what I picture. It's just, a, it's a large, it's clearly a living thing, but yeah. it's, it's, yeah, it's traveling. You wouldn't think it has legs initially. At, that's for sure. At this point, we don't have an exact size. Hey? At this point, we don't have an exact size. They made sort of a judgment call after the fact, sort of collecting their thoughts, if you will. Uh, okay. Okay. So let, let's let's digress here, and I'll get back into the story. So mm-hmm. backpedaling just a tiny bit, the creature is swelling in the water, coming towards them at a high rate of speed, and then within seconds, the creature was on shore and chasing the two teens bipedally, as we've just said. They make it to their car a few hundred feet away, and luckily they reacted quick enough to get there in time because this thing was right behind them, and they could kind of make out what it was at this point except for the fact they had nothing to reference it to other than this was just a bizarre humanoid monster that happened to be running on two legs. As one of the teens noticed, though, this myrrh bean, as it lunged towards them, essentially had some sort of barbs or spines on it because he felt an intense pain on his hand as they slammed the car door and just ripped away. Speculation was made as to what exactly caused this wound, but realizing after the fact that he had this laceration, they went directly to the RCMP. And that's where the story continues and gets picked up by actual officers attending this case, if you Mm -hmm. want to call it that. Very strange. Of course, they were 
incredibly freaked out by this. This was not a regular occurrence for anyone relaxing on the beach. I don't know. I don't care what you're doing. <laughs> no one's expecting that to happen, okay? Definitely not. <laughs> so, of course, I think it probably was more so the fact it was injury, but it was also the fact that they couldn't explain what had happened. So they decided to file a report with the RCMP. By all accounts, like you said before, Andrew, these officers believed they, they that they were dealing with a credible account. Yeah. They, the, the boys themselves were in a state of panic, right? Yes. And they did have physical evidence to prove that something had happened. So if you're a police officer, the first thing is, you know, you see a couple of boys, you know, they're like 15, 16, 17 years old kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Boys will be boys, right? What the heck were they doing over there anyway? But, <laughs> yeah, but clearly yeah. these were two serious enough teens that they were taken seriously. And like we said before, this cut... They weren't sure if it had come from the head of the creature or the hand. Yes. Because like we referred to, it was basically described as having these razor fins and also like barbs on its head and its arms and its legs. Yeah. We haven't got into the full description quite yet, but we will in just a sec. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a gnarly, a gnarly thing that didn't have to do a whole lot to cut uh, the hand of one of these, to cut the hand of one mm-hmm. of these boys. Almost reminds me of coral, hey, when you like touch coral and then you get the, yeah. Definitely. But whether or not this was an animal or not, or a man, it was pretty difficult to tell with this early description. It very much resembled something like the 1950s film, uh, The Creature of the Black Lagoon. Yes. Which a lot of people will point to as influence for this specific creature. Yeah, like we're obviously a f- couple decades off. But obviously still would have been in the zeitgeist of anyone interested in monsters or whatever. Yes. And, yes. and there is one other film that will play into this as well. And we'll get into that in, later on in explanations. For sure. However, uh, getting back to the description. So they kind of, they loosely, they went with about five feet. So this thing isn't massive, but it is human sized. And it is bipedal again, which is another humanoid characteristic. Uh, they kind of weighed in at approximately 120 pounds is what they were kind of approximating. Estimation, I suppose, based on the height. Mm-hmm. But the weirdest part was the epidermis. So the skin was described as consisting of solely silver fish-like scales. That is strange. Mm. The eyes were dark and bulbous with a fish-like mouth. And allegedly these webbed hands, feet, and ears. Webbed ears. Webbed ears, yes. Hmm. The creature itself did not have five fingers, but rather three, and they were webbed. And along with that were these razor-sharp fins that are kind of like adorning, is almost like outer armor is kind of what I'm picturing in my head. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Added to that was these barbed fins on the legs and arms. So that's a pretty gnarly beast. Like that's a a weaponized like creature in my opinion. It definitely has some similarities to, I'm already going to go there. I have some other references later on, but going back to our mermaid episode with Shay, it definitely harkens back to a little bit of the Orang Akan and some of the uh, Japanese soldier encounters where it was, I mean, different color, definitely different color. I believe that one was more pinkish. And then she had a, she had ideas about the pink dolphins that were oh, uh, rare yeah. in, in that area. The freshwater like dolphins. Yeah. yeah. But it definitely had similar type uh, scales, I, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. And I don't know if it had the same gnarly barbs, but definitely the fish mouth. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Weird I mouth. mean, far away. We're, we're a hell of a long way away from Indonesia, though. Anyways, <laughs> so, yeah. Before sorry, we get I digress, into... I yeah, you do digress. <laughs> Let's just get into a little bit more of the description here because it just gets weirder and weirder. 
And let's dissect this. So the boys will go on to state that it was, quote, roughly triangular in shape, about five feet high and five feet across the base, end quote. That is weird to me. That does not describe something that's humanoid. I'm not seeing two feet in that description. So I'm not really sure what that meant. Five feet high and five feet, but roughly triangular in shape. And the thing is, there are differentiating informations that are kind of swirling around on the internet. Mm -hmm. And some people refer to the triangular shape as referring to the head. And then other people refer to it as like just generally. So it's like, mm, it's hard to picture something that is running bipedally on ground that is five foot across. And you can't run with a fin. And triangle shape. Right, exactly. And that's... I don't know. If you're if if this is a mer creature, as people would imagine, with a with a solid fin appendage, it might be running going at high speed in the water, but it ain't going to get out and chase you to the car. Mm-hmm. If you're a real creature at all, so yeah, no that that's an odd description. So it is, it is. It was blackish and green in color, which is definitely reminds me of the creature of the Black Lagoon. Yes, and indeed. yeah, like they they did reiterate that it. <laughs> they were pretty specific about this one. They said it was. So the boy that had been cut, he was injured by, quote, uh, six razor sharp points on the monster's head. So they they were pretty sure that it was the head of the creature and not a hand reaching out to grab them or something like that. And six is very specific. Mm -hmm. I mean, unless they're just saying, oh, oh, it could have been six. And like, that's just the quote that was taken by the RCMP. Yeah. Unless it's just like burned into your redness because you're so afraid. It's like that to me is, I can't even remember what like the server I had yesterday or what, you know what I mean? But the like, server isn't an, a, a quasi humanoid chasing you to, to your car. You might remember the server if they don't have a name tag, but they are a mer bean that's tagging you. I guess. You might, you I might, don't know. You might remember a couple more things about them. Despite all the weirdness, uh, the officers did state that the boy seemed sincere. And until they determined otherwise, they had no alternative but to continue the investigation. So there was actually like a search that was launched. Officers went out to the site of the lake as well as the vehicle parking spot. They could not find any evidence of an attack. Yeah. Was there blood on the ground? We're not sure. There was no reports to corroborate that. No. But despite the lack of results, uh, the creature actually would appear again. Yes. Mm -hmm. So this is where we get into the second encounter, which occurred approximately four days later. So this was uh, mid-afternoon, about 3.30 p.m., August 23rd, and according to Unknown Victoria, which is the blog, um, it says here, a few days later, two more boys, 14-year-old Russell Van Nice and 12-year-old Mike Gold, said that they had seen a similar creature swimming in the lake, quote, shaped like a human body, but with a monster face and covered in scales. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, this is interesting. According to Exemplar, the boys said it quote, came out of the water and looked around. Then it went back into the water. Hmm. Then we ran. Its body was silver and shaped like an ordinary body, like a human being body. But it had a monster face and it was all scaly with a point sticking out of its head and great big ears and horrifying eyes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we do get some consistencies. Uh, humanoid, monstrous face, scaly. The difference here is one point sticking out of the head, not six points. Yeah, yeah. The eyes are similar, the horrifying eyes, even though, like, you know, that's pretty vague. I mean, all monsters have horror. I mean, what monsters have cute, cuddly eyes? Be like, the body was terrifying, the head was full of spikes, and the eyes were so nice and soft and warm and welcome. <laughs> um, I can, the thing, the only, 
rationalization I can make for the singular spike is that this thing was looking directly at them. And if it's almost like Mohawk style spikes, then it might look like it's one. Hmm. And if the other two boys had sort of seen it at an angle, you could like make that call almost like, you know, like a fish has like, you know, like the, 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 would be the dorsal fin or whatever on, is running, you know, along the body. So if you're facing it head on and you, you can see it. I see what you're saying. One, so like according but, or depending on your perspective, yeah, it could appear differently right. or they could have been less observant or they were witnessing it from a distance. Another thing that I will, I, I don't even know where I'm pulling this from, but I feel like it was a sci-fi movie we watched where basically, and I know this occurs in real life too with like lizards and things like that, where mm-hmm. they have they have appendages on their head that they can inflate so they oh, can make yeah. just to scare things oh, away. Oh, Jurassic or... Park, man. Ex- oh, yeah. The that's scene with Newman. That that's exactly where I'm pulling that from. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So maybe it was just kind of flattened to the sides of the head. That's an and it wasn't flared up because it wasn't actually and, ready to attack. And that is total creature from the Black Lagoon sort of a- aesthetic as well with the sort of like he's got that kind of flapped out gill kind of look mm. going on too. Almost reminds me again of the, uh, that reoccurring character at that like scaly lizard man in uh, the lost world. The lost. Yes. For anyone <laughs> who hasn't, uh, What's his name oh, again? I can't it's, remember. It's like, I can't remember. It's, it's the, the lost world, 1999, 2000 TV series on Amazon prime. That's all I'm going to say. Make your own judgments. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Have fun with it. <laughs> Anyways, unlike the encounter of the previous week, these witnesses claimed that the creature merely rose out of the water, looked around, and then submerged again. Yeah. So the RCMP were alerted again, relaunched this search, but once again turned up nothing. Mm-hmm. However, the phenomena for both locals and the international monster community it was really just ramping up and just getting started. So yeah. this thing has gone on to live in the imaginations of oh, yeah. a lot of cryptozoologists and definitely and other researchers and enthusiasts. But absolutely. Again, this isn't where it ended. No, it wasn't. And I mean, the seventies was, I feel, I mean, I feel like every decade's got their monsters. Right. But I think the seven, I mean, look at all the films that came out in the seventies, like monster movies. Right. I mean, obviously fifties and sixties, there was a lot of alien sci-fi movies. And I think the seventies was moving more into like monsters a little bit. And like reptilians and all that. Yeah, totally. I mean, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head. I can't either, but I know you got the creature of black lagoon from the fifties, but I mean, I don't know if that would have influenced the boys necessarily, but we'll come back to that in a sec. What's really interesting though, is that the creature itself really kind of became, I know it was in the popular consciousness, I guess you might say after an article published by the Victoria daily times, where there was an artist rendition of the uh, actual creature description. So a portrait, if you will, an official portrait of the monster. And we'll, we'll put that up on our socials and stuff like that. It's kind of a cute little picture to be honest with you. It's not that foreboding, uh, like the actual story reads. But from there, the tales of the quote unquote gill man would basically spread. And yeah, this, this, this went all, all around the globe. And this was actually, I, I, I don't have it included here, but I believe it was Japan specifically where this story really latched on. It was like super popular and there's lots of, lots of article prints of it or something along those lines. I'll have to double check that. But anyway, people were interested in, in this type of creature. That's for sure. And on August 26th, 1972, another local paper, The Province, received a phone call from a man who claimed to have lost his pet, Tegu Lizard, somewhere near Thetis Lake. This was a year previous, which was kind of interesting. He stated that his pet lizard uh, can grow up to three feet in length and is indigenous to like very warm climates of Latin America, but he said it was lost by the lake and 
he believed that it might be responsible for the monster sightings. So this again was, you know, published by the province and sort of like just kind of kept the fuel to the fire of the gill man possibly living in Thetis Lake. I, well, we haven't been using the term gill man, but I think that's, I like Gill man, being, I like gill man better, I think, or, or silver scaled man. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's interesting, though, the whole idea that an escaped pet might be responsible for this. I feel like we've heard that before, and it has been proven, even there was that really unfortunate case over in, was it Nova Scotia, where that, it wasn't a lizard, it was like a pet anaconda, I think, and it ended up Ooh. killing two young boys who oh, escaped from right. a pet shop. that's mm-hmm. right. I mean, I'm sure that happens weekly in Florida. So that is kind of like a case. I can't remember what type of, or time of year that was. So I'm not sure if it was summer or winter. Like, Obviously, with cold-blooded creatures, though, they have limits, but we'll the, get into that. They news. do. We will get into it. We've got some stats that might be interesting. But this, <laughs> the, there was a gap in sightings, though. So this was in the 70s, and then we would have... At least in reported sightings, there was a little bit of a gap. And then we get into essentially, I mean, modern-ish sighting. This one is interesting. So, of course, this comes decades and decades later, over three decades later. There was a man by the name of Jesse Martin who came forth with his own tale in 2006. So he claimed that he encountered the Thetis Lake monster in the summer while he was driving his car near the lake. Mm -hmm. So Jesse Martin... His story goes that after a day of fishing at Thetis Lake, he realized he had lost the sun, so he explained, <laughs> and yeah. it was quitting time. However, uh, by the time he decided to leave, the lake was mostly deserted, and his car was the last in the lot. As he approached his vehicle, uh, Martin related how he thought he heard a rustling in the bushes, but he was trying not to think too much of it, so he just kind of got in his car. But as he was starting the car... He became aware of what he thought was a man running up to his vehicle. Hmm. Okay, so... Okay. Pause. (laughs) A man. A man. What he thought was a man. Because it's running towards him, it's bipedal, standing upright. And that's what's so scary, right? It's like you just, your brain just goes to like, a man is running towards me just because it's this figure of like two arms, two legs, and a head running towards you. But like, that's, that's, it's, yeah, weird. Okay, continue. Mm -hmm. He wasn't too specific on why he got freaked out, if it was just the fact that he was being charged by an unknown humanoid. He didn't describe it as a humanoid, but essentially he got freaked out and he slammed the car into gear, peeled out of that lot, Mm -hmm. but he heard something slap against the passenger door. And so this is from Jesse Martin's words. This is cited from Cryptomundo. When I got to the place I was staying in Duncan, I pulled into the driveway and was about to go inside when I decided to take a look at the spot on my car where the man had struck it. As I walked towards it, I stared dumbfounded at what I saw. Five scratch marks with patches of fish scales strewn without. Hmm. Interesting. He says five scratch marks. Earlier, we had the description of three fingers. So I'm like kind of calling him out for that. I'm like, mm, hmm. girl, unless the fact was that there are these appendages, these like these razor fins. And then also, like we mentioned, those hooked barbs. So maybe those could be responsible for additional scratch marks. I, I agree. I think like, um, you know, almost like even how like cephalopods will have hooks along their different limbs and things like that and like stuff like that i think that's correct Mm -hmm. 
correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but yeah, if you're if it's like a webbed five digit hand, there might be other things, yeah, on the arm, hand, parts of the body that could cause you know, the cut on the first reports, uh, uh, of the kids in the first report, or maybe it's not like, you know, five digits per se, but it's just kind of like whatever else is on the, the appendage that's sharp. And it just ends up being five scratch marks, unless he's literally means it looks like the perfect five fingers of like a, of a devilish hand. He never said it was five fingers. He said five scratch marks. So that's where I'm trying to trying to give him a little bit of leeway i also have to say though the idea of fish scales being strewn without or throughout sorry is kind of absurd because if anything it would just be like a wet mark in my opinion like it wouldn't be like he's losing his skin what is he just like slowing the stuff off just just like a freaking well i guess if he's a lizard or reptile then maybe he's losing his skin like shedding it you know what i mean i I guess that's possible i mean like why would it stick to the car though unless unless because it's the hand and it's like a single slap of the car on on the you know the back of the car and it it was the it was the passenger side the the passenger side door i i don't know maybe this creature has it like it's sticky for a reason like to grab onto things and stuff like that so it's like whatever it touch like it touches it and it does leave something behind I don't know. I'm just throwing that, I'm just tossing that out there. I guess another thing too you could maybe consider is the fact that if it has these razor sharp appendages, it would have cut through the steel of the car or the aluminum or whatever the hell cars are made of these days, and that could have actually resulted in an injury with the creature. Ooh. He did not say anything about blood or anything. No, like right. guts, like you know, like or whatever else. That, yeah. Yeah. But obviously you would think he would have some sort of blood. But anyways, I thought that was interesting. A lot of people are very incredulous to this account, which I feel like maybe I'm towing that line too. <laughs> I'm I'm right there with you. I, I, right I have to say you. though, an interesting thought is that these, all of these occurred in August. So we're talking summer. So if something like a reptilian humanoid thing is existing in Thetis Lake, mm-hmm. perhaps it has cycles and it goes you know, it hibernates throughout the whole winter, um, late August, maybe it's getting a little desperate and needs some extra fat before it goes into hibernation. So it's looking for some extra victims. Possibly. Hey? But there's been no reports that I could see as far as, uh, any other missing hikers or missing swimmers or animal parts strewn around the sides of the lake that look like something had devoured it. No, you know what I mean? exactly. It's not like we're getting reports from, you know, obviously it's a fishing recreation area from say fishermen, that go out early morning or something there's just like you know floating corpses of fish strewn about or something like that or Mm -hmm. whatever Mm -hmm. yeah no there's there's not a ton of evidence other than eyewitness the eyewitness accounts and there's no layer that's been discovered there's no layer has there been been scuba divers going down and looking for this thing and that's just it it's not a particularly (laughs) deep lake or anything right it's It's, like 50 feet i mean yeah a little more maybe it's not like we're dealing with okanagan lake like a rift lake like hundreds Mm -hmm. of feet and then sediment Sediment, and and lava tubes and tunnels and crevices and all kinds of crazy stuff yeah yeah i know it's it's a much more contained seeming environment aside from the fact that it is adjacent to the ocean okay there's one other thing too because a lot of this account from Martin was actually pulled from Lauren Coleman's uh, Crypto Mundo article in 2012. Mm-hmm. And it was called 21st Century uh, Sighting in Thetis Lake. Okay. So I thought this was interesting. So he basically, Lauren goes on to say that he had been in communication with Jesse Martin and he had asked him what he says to debunkers that dismiss his report. And so Jesse reportedly replied, quote, my response to the debunkers is simple. It's easy to deny the existence of something that doesn't fit into our concept of what is real and what isn't. 
it's difficult to come forward and admit you've actually had an encounter with an unknown creature, knowing you'll be in a position to be attacked, end quote. So that was kind of... Yeah, and that's, you know, it's a poignant thing to say. It's also just the sort of standard thing to say, whether you are a hoaxer or not. I mean, anyone can, can, can say that, and it's true. And that's the weird toe in the line with dealing with paranormal phenomena and monsters and all this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. because that's totally, you know... Absence of evidence is not ev- evidence of absence is what that reminds me of too a little bit, yeah. right? It's It harkens back to that. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, it's kind of funny too because Martin's account is more vague in the sense that he doesn't have this vivid description of the actual creature itself. Yes. From what I could, he, he basically described it as a man running towards his vehicle and he just peeled out. And yeah. He just didn't even want to figure out what was going on for me i kind of probably would have paused i probably would be like why the hell is someone running towards my car is there something wrong with my car am i about to like drive away with like all my shit on the top of it or something like that you know what i mean yeah (laughs) that'd be a classic amber move (laughs) i mean it's also like he said though he he teed it up like i'm by myself you know last one in the parking lot maybe Mm -hmm. it's kind of twilighty like can't maybe not the best visibility why is someone else there when there's no other cars right again i mean you're already feeling kind of freaky walking to your car you know, right? Like these other mm-hmm. these other witnesses had the luxury of it being in the middle of the day. And of course, the second sighting from the other two boys is comes into question a little bit when we continue on here. But their mm-hmm. sighting didn't even have an attack. It didn't run towards them or anything. It was just sort of an ob, an observer, if yeah. you will, mm-hmm. which was strange. And the thing is, too, with Martin, he was there all day. Right. Like he was there fishing all day and didn't have any weird... Things. It was just when he was leaving, which is kind of interesting. And it's like if this thing has a problem with people in the lake, it only seems to t- deal with it on shore. Like it never takes umbrage with fishermen being out there in their boats or anything like that, which is odd. Mm-hmm. So there's – my brain is going a million miles a minute with like weird potential theories right now. Uh, we've got a lot more to talk about. But before we do, we're going to take a quick break uh, for our sponsor, BetterHelp. Do you feel like there are things holding you back or getting in the way of your personal well-being? It's time to try BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp.com has licensed professional counselors who have a broad expertise in areas which may not be available locally. You can connect to a licensed professional within 24 hours of signing up. And you can send messages to your counselor anytime. Call, text, message. It's all up to you. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly phone or video sessions as well. BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It is licensed professional counseling with people specialized in depression, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, and so much more. Better yet, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. We want you to start living a happier and healthier life today. As a listener, you get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com portal. That's betterhelp spelled B-E-T-T-E-R h-e-l-p dot com slash portal to get your 10% off. So why not get started today? That's betterhelp.com slash portal. There's a feeling we get when passing ghost stories around a fire, or sharing legends of fantastical beasts, both amazing and terrifying. The mere mention of the otherworldly beings that surround us 
are enough to make even the bravest amongst us shudder with fear. But these stories are as essential to our cultures as the languages we speak and the food we share. These fables of the unknown have become an integral part of our history and the foundation of our society today. And as frightening as these creatures might seem, we cannot help but wonder what they are and where they come from. Stories of the supernatural, whether of spirit or beast, will always find a home within our minds. For nothing haunts us more than that which we cannot explain. Hello, my name is MJ McAdams, part-time shadow person, full-time supernatural seeker. Welcome to Humble Hauntings, where the lovers of the unknown can pull up a seat and make themselves at home. I invite you to join me on a quest to explore the supernatural creatures that have bound themselves to our history and unveil the world's most heart-stopping haunts. Haunts that could be as close as your front door. Because after all, home is where the haunt is. And we're back. Okay, so we're going to get into some theories and evidence, mostly theories because there isn't a ton of evidence. And <laughs> I want to go back to... <laughs> yeah, Amber's just laughing right off the bat. I want to go back to... exact uh, no evidence. Oh, well, I guess from, well, aside from the injury. Aside from the injury, unless you believe it's self-inflicted and yada, yada, yada. Or it was just boys I mean, being boys, right? And it was just an accident. But it's like, why why go to the cops? I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know. I, I didn't grow up in the 70s. Maybe people were really, really bored... You know, you just maybe they did just want the attention. Yeah. I don't know, but it's mm. like that seems like a lot. Like to me, if that happened to me and I'm 16, 17, the last place I'm going is the RCMP. Like I'm going to any friend's house, my, back to my, like I'm not going to the RCMP. It's different now. <laughs> I know. I probably wouldn't go to the cops either. Right? But what's, what's weird though, evidence wise, is like after that first sighting and encounter, the RCMP, they go out to investigate. We've got, a laceration on the hand of one of the boys and there's no blood. So, okay, fine. Maybe it hadn't, you know, it it happened really quick. He gets back in the car. There's no traces on the ground, but if they're hanging out on the beach itself, when they were first chased, you'd think there'd be something in the sand. Like you'd think there'd be something, whether it's really sandy or gravelly or whatever, there'd be some sort of a print. Hmm. Unless it just happened to be that time of day where clearly they were there. Other people must've been too. They run away, chased away. No one else happens to see this happen. But then in the time between them reporting it, a couple people maybe walk over the rocks or whatever because there was no prints discovered at this exact time. I did come across some uh, reports a little later on of potentially some prints being found. I couldn't find find any images of them. I will say, though, this is a tree-lined lake. This isn't like a sandy beach, like, you know. No, I I get it. But mm -hmm. I mean, like, even if you step on a rocky I mean, I don't know. It's five feet tall, 120 pounds. It's yeah, true. These are, there might be not, maybe, maybe they're, they're, they're taking it seriously, but maybe not quite that seriously. They're not out there with the plaster cast looking for the, the Thetis like monster print to take, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, but what's strange though, is like the main theory people would keep coming back to seemed to be the report that came into the province a little later on, a few days later, which was the Tegu lizard. 
So I don't know. Let's come back to that for just a second because mm-hmm. I just I, I the prospect of something that we think doesn't have a chance of living maybe <laughs> you know evolving and being I don't know not adapting but just being like an enigma of the species. Yeah. I don't know. Well, this is kind of interesting because we get to this weird intersection where it's a believable like explanation in the sense that someone definitely could have lost a tegu lizard and that was definitely are known to exist and people do own them as pets and they do grow up to three feet not five feet so that would be a bit of an exaggeration and that's tail too right like i mean three four feet like that's like with the tail like not that's Mm -hmm. not standing up no no i know there's a lot of so that's where i'm okay so you get the intersection of believability but incredulity in the sense that this is not where this thing lives this they need heat lamps they don't even they can't even survive without their little heat rocks and things like that in in canada you know what i mean because this is from argentina originally right mm-hmm. i did see one uh like this isn't i didn't dig deep dive deep but apparently they, they hibernate in the winter in argentina like like kind of like how in a frog like amphibians would you know dig into the mud like they can mm-hmm. survive through colder yeah. but i mean it's not necessarily the british columbia winters no well let me give some stats here because we've got some facts on the tegus so i yeah like we said we alluded to they're up to four feet up to four feet and they are colored with black and white bands that go across their body so it's not green it's not like this black and green description that we had earlier and it's also not scaly true well lizards are scaly what are you talking about it's not like fish scales though no it's not scaly like that no. Okay. So they are invasive to Florida. However, they did originate in Argentina. So does the habitat fit was kind of my first question. Um, most of the time, tegus spend their time on land. They are often seen in roadsides, other disturbed areas. However, they can swim and they may submerge themselves for long periods of time. Hmm. A lot of people, like that's what I kind of thought originally. I was like, well, it's a lizard. It's a dry animal. Like, you know what I mean? It's not like a newt. But apparently they do spend time in water. Okay. They're mainly active during the day. So that kind of does make sense as far as the timing of these sightings. And like you alluded to, Andrew, they do spend the colder months of the year in burrow or undercover. So not exactly hibernating, but they do kind of protect themselves okay. in their lower activity gotcha. in those um, in those months. So there was a local museum expert that weighed in on this uh, from Vancouver Island, and mm-hmm. they claimed it was highly unlikely that this thing could have survived for as long as it had been claimed to have survived, like over a year. So that's a whole winter in in this you know, like in the coastal yeah, conditions yeah, of Canada. Yeah, for sure. So it would, it, yeah, that's that's highly unlikely is kind of what they sort of surmised. However, uh, there was one cryptozoology blog that referenced, like you said, that they do hibernate. So like we said, like, oh, Argentina winters versus BC. I don't really know. But according to the city of Victoria, the city boasts an average daily high temperature of 7.6 degrees Celsius, which would be 45.7 degrees Fahrenheit. I don't know why people use Fahrenheit, but anyways. <laughs> and um, they have a daily average low of 1.5 degrees Celsius. And this is in January, just to be specific here. In so the it's Canadian like, winter. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, so it's not even, so so 1.5 degrees, not even freezing. I mean, that's still really cold. You're did you, did you pull the stats for... Argentina? Uh, no. 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 <laughs> no, you didn't. No. But, but I would imagine uh, it's a lot balmier down there. I would, I would, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sure they've got some nice ski hills and stuff in Argentina, but I, as far as, as far as near, yeah, no, I, I, I'm thinking it's a little brisk. 
for the tegu to be the uh, well the expert the weighed in the expert weighed in. I, i'm agreeing with the expert we are not experts you don't need to, the, we don't need the to weigh in eyes of amber <laughs> that i wish i wish we really need to get this on youtube live so people can see We've been considering your it. reactions to things i say oh my god <laughs> because it's priceless oh no nothing would be hidden then oh. Man, <laughs> like you guys listening should just see it. Like whenever I'm bringing up interdimensional stuff or, I mean, even some of the Am things I've the said scully now. To your mold no, hey, everyone needs the scully. I'm not saying you are, but that's definitely needed. I think I entertain a lot more ideas that scully wouldn't entertain. Oh, obviously. Otherwise but you wouldn't I, be co-hosting this show. I get frustrated though sometimes. <laughs> anyway. Oh, so you're, okay. So you're saying not a weird enigma, branch of the tegu. We're canceling that it. We're getting into a lot of complications here, right? We're I getting agree. into the idea, can Tegu lizards run like a man? Well, no, I don't think so. And would you they even I mean? attack at all? Like, Just look at these things. You can Google it. It's like, it's I mean, not... Anyways. It's not but scary. The guy, the guy threw it out there. He had lost hmm. his Tegu. He wondered if it could be responsible he kind of thought maybe he could but it was just something that muddied the waters in my opinion yeah i would agree for the very overactive imagination perhaps you would look at that and see an, a, a gill man chasing you i don't really know i don't see that happening the only thing i can say that might support that is the idea of a triangular head with yeah. the, with the fish sort of like mouth because like f- lizards and fish kind of have similar mouths right right hmm i don't know i, I think I think I'm kind of more into this next one we've got down here. There are some potentially indigenous creatures that tie into this as well. Uh, I mean, we can make our judgment calls here, but it's it 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 it's kind of strange. This creature, the Thetis Lake monster, in my mind, could be both. I mean, I always kind of seem to go this way, but an ethereal being, possibly something interdimensional, where because it is just a tiny ass little lake. But there's also many creatures in indigenous lore that very much like that, they kind of seem to straddle the line between myth and reality. And we've talked about that with Sasquatch. We've talked about that with all kinds of different things, Thunderbirds, all kinds of different stuff. One of them is known as the the Pugwis or Pugwi, P-U-G-W-I-S. And there's a few other very similar creatures with similar spelt names that aren't associated with water, but this one is. And this creature, the Pugwis, I'm just how I'm just going to say, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys, I didn't actually punch it into Google to see it phonetically pronounced but this was not a very nice creature and uh, tormented uh, indigenous peoples of the puget sound region of washington state for years and it's been described by the peoples of vancouver island as almost like a skeletal long-haired sort of like underwater you know bipedal wild creature essentially that you don't really want to mess with it's even been associated with the idea of drownings and things like that Here's an actual description I pulled up. The Pugwis, an anthropoid nature spirit living beneath the water, described as having Piscean face, gills, prominent but round facial features, round eyes, and in this case, two large beaver-like front teeth, as well as very well-defined eye sockets. So it doesn't necessarily include the spikes on the head or the exact description of the Thetis Lake monster, but this is obviously very, very close to home. This is the Pacific North Coast and a bipedal uh, aquatic humanoid creature, monster to some, perhaps, Mm -hmm. that kind of potentially crosses over. I don't know. What do you think of that? I actually really like that idea. That's very interesting and kind of reminds me of the Ogopogo again, or Nahati. The idea that, yeah, this is is coming from our home state, British Columbia. (laughs) That's pretty cool. 
And the idea of it, it's an anthropoid nature spirit, very much like Ogopogo, has its origins living in, you know, aquatic areas. And, exactly. And the idea of it having this Piscean face, so a fish face. Yes. That is key. Very much so. Very key. And then again, the round eyes, these well-defined sockets, like that to me mm-hmm. speaks to what these witnesses have described. Totally, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like again ties in potentially to i haven't actually brought this up yet but we've mentioned it time and time again on the show the notion of water being a source of uh, like a conduit for um thinning of the veil or a crossing over potentially i mean water sources whether rivers and river crossings lakes oceans whatever there's been seen as portals Mm -hmm. throughout history yeah and you know whether or not that's what's happening here i don't really know but i mean it's it's Whatever. We can come back to that in a sec. Mm -hmm. If you don't necessarily associate the indigenous creatures with the sighting of the Thetis Lake monster, I'm finally getting back around to the word Thetis again here with this next little part Mm -hmm. because I have this sort of section titled here in our theories uh, notes, Merman from Another World, because this harkens back to our mermaids episode a little bit. And we talked about the Nereids. Nereids? Nereids. Ner- Nereids, right. Thank you. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> Sorry. I, did, I, said, I pronounced it the same way on that episode too. And no, it was me saying that. I was remember. Was it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and Shay, I mean, shout out to Shay. Uh, I love Shay. She's amazing. <laughs> she's thank, great. thank you for that, Shay. <laughs> but in that episode, we talked about these creatures, which are essentially, you know, sea nymphs, nymphs, if you will, in Greek mythology. And there's a whole bunch of different kinds. But what's really interesting is that Thetis is actually a figure in and of itself from Greek mythology, a sea goddess, and is associated with these, Amber, pronunciation again? Nereids. Right. And uh, that seems odd to me. I mean, I know a lot of ships were named after Greek gods and Greek words and stuff like that, and that was the reason Thetis Lake was named after the HMS Thetis. I find it pretty serendipitous, or whatever you want to call it, that mm-hmm. there's a sighting of a gill man or a mer creature at a inland Victoria Lake that has absolutely no ties to ancient Greek mythology other than the naming of a Royal Navy ship after a creature that very much resembles what was seen on the beach. Mm-hmm. That is fascinating. I am floored by that, to be honest. When you told me that, I was like, that is out of this world. Very strange, It's right? just a very weird coincidence, like beyond coincidence level, you know what I mean? And to me... Because I've been listening to, oh man, since we've been out in the vineyard, I've been listening to so many more podcasts. Totally. And uh, there was mention, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was Hollow Sky. Um, those boys were talking about tulpas. And yep. they were talking about the idea of a tulpa as basically a manifestation of of thought and of energy and how you can create a tulpa in your head. It's almost like a other self. Sure. Um, but you can project that in certain ways. Like, I'm almost thinking almost similar to, oh, there's an X-Files episode on it too. Maybe they did call it a tulpa, maybe they call it something else. But basically the idea that you manifest what you believe, like not even believe so much, but what you're just thinking about. Sure. And in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, what if someone like was doing their homework, loved Greek mythology, made that connection locally and they were like, you know what I mean? Like, what <laughs> Somehow, if they dream this up themselves? And then it became an entity beyond. Like, they just became so enthralled with the idea of there being something in the lake, a spirit in the mm-hmm. lake, like being tied to these f- former aquatic 
you know, mythological creatures. Yeah. yeah okay. I can, get down. I can get down because with that. Because it goes beyond the individual and it goes into the collective unconscious it, or the cultural zeitgeist of the time into, into the collective, so to speak. And it becomes something that other people start to pick up. And I, then once you, it's almost like a domino effect to a certain degree. Sure. But, I mean, that's a good way of rationalizing mm-hmm. it because otherwise it's just oddly coincidental that there's mm-hmm. a merman-like creature that emerges from a lake with a, with the name that essentially describes it. Yeah. If, or, if you will. Or it could even be more so like, uh, Oh my gosh, like the the Jewish version was the golem. The golem, yeah. The golem or golem or whatever. How it basically is the inscription. It's like the word placed in the mouth that breathes life into the 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 entity, the being. So what if the very fact that it was just named that breathed oh. life into it and 100%. I'm getting, I got my tip. No, no, I'm loving that though, because (laughs) even if you think of um, mythological creatures from the ancient past as uh, interpretation, like the way they were written about, they were interpretations of, you know, people maybe experiencing, you know, interdimensional creatures, the way people see a Sasquatch today. And it's like a, it's like a spiritual experience for them or whatever. Right. But because this lake was named this, this, and it's a water source tying into all that sort of like very much paranormal stuff that always happens around water as well it's that's where they're going to that's where the reemergence of this would occur and maybe provoked by exactly what you're talking about mm-hmm. by people that are like really into it i guess you might say it's funny because the word tulpas we've never really used yet we've suggested exactly that like mm-hmm. so many times the idea yeah. of like manifesting reality yeah um manifesting through belief yeah, uh, it's because, kind of hilarious. We haven't done an episode on that. <laughs> I think it's 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 going to happen. Yeah, it's going to work. And the only alternative to like that, I guess you might say, interdimensional or the tulpas or whatever, would be cryptozoological. And if you don't think it's something that lives or originated in the lake, well, Victoria and the ocean is only twenty minutes away. But is the suggestion there then that basically this, you know, <laughs> bipedal mergill creature? was kind of like maybe not having a time with his neighbors in the harbor off off of Victoria and Cadbury thought you know source. maybe maybe I'll, yeah he was he was fed up with caddy and thought you know I I'm just going to go to a nice quiet cottage inland I'm just going to mosey <laughs> up 20 minutes to Thetis Lake it's got some water I'll be fine there it just didn't last very long because the sighting stopped after 1972 until 2006 he went into a deep sleep what are, what are these things come in 30 year cycles so he was just a couple years off I, I feel like with, I, I feel like on that note is a perfect segue into the idea a notion of hoax hoaxes yeah. because we're being a little silly. We it is extraordinarily ridiculous, and it's one of those things where it's like it's almost. But is it, it though? It's, it's is almost it though? hard not to believe just because of that. But no. But here's the thing, though. I want you to like, here's here. I want okay. Put this in perspective, though. It's like is it more ridiculous to you than like. like a skunk ape sighting that doesn't have evidence. Like someone just says, I saw it. It freaked me out. I was out there hunting on the bayou and it freaked me out. I'm not going back. (laughs) Which bayou? Whatever. I I guess it it has to do with the history of the place. Yeah. It's the context of like, it's Victoria, BC. It's a gill man. You know, what other things were going on at the time? Uh, There was a piece written by a man named Daniel Loxton who wrote for Junior Skeptic magazine on his theory that there was no monster at all. He actually referred to this movie called Monster from the Surf or also called Beach Girls and the Monster, which is just, oh, my (laughs) Lord. Oh, wow. Yep. I got to check that one out. It's probably just a masterpiece. But he 
noted that there is a gill man with a triangular shaped head in this film, and it was actually aired on a local television station one week prior to these reports. So again, there's no evidence to say that these boys were actually familiar, watched the show, or were even aware of it, though they did compare physical features to the the creature from the Black Lagoon. So they already were making pop culture references themselves. They didn't refer to this, though, which, you know... Right. Maybe it would have just been felt too obvious. Maybe they, if it was, if you are going down that hoax line, you know what I mean? Yeah, I suppose. I, it's, I, I feel like for, I don't know, I guess people are inspired by what's going on at the time. Maybe they did see this TV special or whatever, but it's like, if you're going to hoax something, wh- why go with the pop culture ref- like that, unless it's just a joke, but it didn't seem that way at first. Like the first sighting just didn't seem that way. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pick the creature of the black lagoon to, to model this hoax off of and then cut slash my hand open and go to the RCMP. Like that's just weird, mm-hmm. weird way to spend your time. <laughs> It is kind of a strange way and you like injure yourself and all the stuff. So you have to be kind of dis- not disturbed, I mean, but you commitment. have to be pretty bored. It's commitment. That's for sure. I will say though that uh, this report goes on and Loxton actually did end up tracking down one of the boys that was involved in the second report. So not the first one with the injury, but just the second that was a sighting without any actual contact. Right. Second report. What were the names for those two boys again? It was Gold and Van Nice. Right. And they were a little bit younger than the first two. Mm -hmm. So now at this point, this guy's 49 years old and I'm pretty sure it was Gold that he was talking to. But essentially Loxton described how he confessed that it was just a lie And it was cooked up by his friend to get attention. So one confesses but places blame on the other. And, you know, it's just one of those classic scenarios where it's like, it probably was. Yeah, it probably was just to get attention because they. Yeah. I'm not going to say, though, like that's definitive because actually Lauren Coleman had another sort of idea. Yeah, Coleman has made a few different remarks when it comes to hoaxes and stuff like that and obviously thinks some are legit or whatever. Like, this makes sense to me, though. It's like the idea that a confession, like the confession given to Loxton from Van Nice. Oh, sorry. He was talking to Van Nice about gold. That's right. I I got those confused. Sorry, twist. It's all good. This this confession received from Van Nice, it's it's not necessarily an ultimate truth of the Thetis Lake monster, right? Because of two reasons in my mind. I mean, like this is the quote from him, from, from Coleman. There's usually someone around who wants to tell, uh, whomever, whomever will listen that such and such an event was a hoax to get their 15 minutes of fame, you know? So it's almost Mm -hmm. like, Oh, that's kind of weird. Oh, sorry. Go on. Well, I know it is kind of weird the way you say that. It's like, obviously this guy's saying this years and years later, he's not looking for 15 minutes of fame. Um, I think, Maybe that is a little bit not taken out of context, but clearly this is the second sighting. These were younger boys. They heard the first reports. It became popular because it got published and people were talking about it. And then they were, it's, everyone's hanging around Thetis Lake. It's a popular recreation area. They're going to say, I do think that the second report was most likely mm-hmm. a hoax. A hoax the, yeah. the only other thing I can say about it is like, this is so many years later. And even if you think you did see something, you're probably going to backpedal on that. Like I'll give an example. When I was a kid, I was, I swore I saw a pterodactyl at at Christina Lake out in the reeds at the marshy end. And like, I was really young, went with, you know, with some cousins. We thought we saw Mm -hmm. it later on. We're thinking back. It's like, that was a heron, right? We saw it spread its wings really wide. It looked 
spooky to us at the time. That's what it was. Really? That's what I'm thinking that was, right? So so I think maybe there's some backpedaling, but in a different situation, looking at a distance at something, you might just say, oh, yeah, no, it was a hoax. Like he said, he just wanted to say it. Mm -hmm. But maybe they really did see something weird. But thinking about it so many years later, it's like, no, we didn't see anything. Like, no, he he just won. He was just blown mm-hmm. out of proportion. Yeah. Even if there was something there that kind of gave them the spark, the idea to kind of like go with a hoax in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I Yeah, I hear you. It's kind of funny going back to the quote from Coleman, though, like the idea that usually there's someone there who wants to tell so-and-so once this thing actually blows up, I guess is what he's referring to, but that it was a hoax just to get there 15 minutes. So like <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, well, but even before that, they were saying something had happened to get attention, to get the 15 minutes. So it's like, then they're going to say the exact opposite to get another 15 or like, what's No, I think we're there? just like, reading this wrong. I think it's just saying that like, they'll say, they'll, they'll say it was a hoax. Like they, they perpetrated the hoax to get their 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like that was the reason for it. And that's, I, that's I all see. Almost that's like, almost like the, 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 not the ghillie suit guy, but like the, that was proven obviously, yeah, yeah. but <laughs> the others like came forth and that was the Sasquatch video. That, remember there was like so many people that came forward and they're like, Oh, I was the guy in the suit. I oh, was right. The guy in the suit. For there the Patterson Gimlin like, film. Patterson Gimlin. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all know. very odd. It is. I do have sort of like, I, I'm not going to say this is my ultimate theory <laughs> at all. And I think I, I might be poaching this, this term from Rob Murphy. I don't think he referred to this in his article, but as referenced it before on their show, the idea of aquasquatch or essentially a aquatic Hmm. version of a Sasquatch-like creature. So not like a swamp squatch. So not like, so sort of like on the spectrum of like skunk apes kind of living in the bogs and like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in wetland areas. And then you've got like the kind of like hardcore out in the woods, Pacific uh, Northwest Sasquatch that maybe it can swim, but it's not usually sighted in water or anything like that. Obviously, sorry, not obviously, but interestingly, there is um, the corroboration between Sasquatch sightings and high rainfall areas. Yes. They like a lot of moisture, a lot Def- of cover. They definitely do. And okay, I want to be clear, like when he made reference to this Rob Morphe on Cryptonaut, he wasn't subscribing to this idea or any, by any means. He just made reference to it. But this idea of, you know, there's been a lot of bipedal aquatic humanoid type things seen near, you know, lakes and rivers and, and what have you. And then there's the idea of Sasquatch being an interdimensional creature. Could we be, and then the idea of port, you know, waters, water systems being portals and crossing points and these types of things. So I'm not drawing any hard lines here, but we see this across history, right? This idea, these ideas I've just said, could this be associated with something like a Sasquatch? Like, could this be like almost the aquatic version, if you will? It's not a gill man. This is just where people's brains go because of like, the creature of the black lagoon the tv special that you just referenced or whatever and it's wet it's coming out of the water so you're not necessarily thinking it's a sasquatch Mm -hmm. but there's this idea that like obviously there's nothing living in the lake like i don't think that there's a five foot tall bipedal aquatic merman living in (laughs) thetis lake if it was a way bigger body of water that had estuaries to the ocean and all these kinds of things we can talk we can talk then about some different ideas Mm -hmm. but i don't think anything picked up its bags and waltzed over from the ocean up the road to Thetis Lake and just parked there. So this no. thing's got to be coming from somewhere what if else. He's, what if he's a hitchhiker? He's going all over. 
I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I, I guess though. what I'm saying is like maybe a similar place from which they originate, right? The connection to me is like, yeah. you know, the, the Pugwees and the Sasquatch are both referenced in indigenous oral traditions. And there's a there's definitely a connection between the, the Pugwees and the Thetis mm-hmm. Lake monster. Mm-hmm. They're not the same thing, but they're referred to in very similar terms like, you know, creatures to be feared or whatever, and they're not necessarily there all the time, but they are very real. I don't know. I'm just tossing that out there. It's like, and I just loved the term aqua squatch. It just sounded so Mm -hmm. fun. That's pretty cool. So I don't know if there's actually any connection to to Sasquatch there. The hardcore Sasquatch people are going to hate me for even saying that. It's all weird monsters, man. It is. I'm just trying to imagine how someone would describe like gills, or sorry, yeah, not gills, um... (laughs) Yeah, gills, uh, scales, and all this kind of stuff in replacement of actual hair that was just wet. Well, so like as I'm that. saying, I'm not saying it's the same creature. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that it's possibly coming from the same place okay. and that the way in which it travels is the same and maybe related in some way. I mean, it's bipedal. We're looking at it as if, like, would we think we're related to that? We, do, we, we think that when we see Sasquatch, when people see it, it's this kind of like un, the uncanny yeah. Staring back at you. Mm-hmm. Two arms, two legs, a head. Smart. I mean, it's not lunging at you with barbs on its head. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing, too. I, going back to that first sighting, it's weird that it would be the head that caused the laceration yeah, and so. not that it's reaching out to grab. Yeah. Th- to grab it, grab them. I'm trying to imagine It's that. just like diving Michael Phelps style head first, just like <laughs> trying to spear them with its head. Like maybe that's no how it hunts. Way. I don't know. Really? Yeah, with like the barbs, and then it's like already attached to its head. So I tell you what, eating. you put a, you put a spike on Michael Phelps' head and put him in the lake. I bet you he'll come up with some fish. I don't know. I'm not. I don't know. What do you think? What What is your sort of? Where are you at with the Thetis Lake monster? I'm all over the map with this one. I don't know. I think it's a really fun story, and I would really just like to go to Thetis Lake and just like do some camping around there, maybe possibly, and just kind of like feel it out, see what's going on. Hell yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because in my mind, I'm still unconvinced as to whether it's a hoax. I'm leaning towards the indigenous interpretation, the more of like a sort of a water spirit that manifests. And maybe these boys, because boys will be boys, right? Maybe they were like littering in the lake or doing something dumb that they shouldn't be doing. And then that's why maybe. this thing kind of manifested in the case of the first two, at least, like if the other Possibly. two are, are going to chalk it up to a hoax, even though they did not agree. The other one never came forth with that. So it was just the one guy that was saying it. Which is sketchy to me. Yeah, it, it's all just very wobbly. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think the first part's wobbly. No, I know. I'm talking about the second one. The second one, one yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wobbly. <laughs> well, we want to hear what you guys have to say. Yeah, we do. So hit us up into the portal mailbox at gmail.com if you don't feel like leaving a public comment. But we love getting comments on our Facebook page and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, come follow us if you guys don't already. Instagram, we're at into the portal podcast. On Twitter, we're at into the portal one. Thank you so much to all of our patrons and our producer, Tim. Yeah. You guys are amazing. And thank you to our new new patrons that have just joined us here. One dollar will get you a shout out on the show and some custom stickers and obviously our undying love. So mm-hmm. go and check us out. Five bucks will get you a shout out on the show. Even more ITP custom strangeness and obviously a whole bunch of bonus audio. And ten bucks gets you even more goodies and more audio. So, so much cool stuff. Mm-hmm. So hop on over to patreon.com slash into the portal and check us out.
Also, don't forget to check out our sponsors, BetterHelp.com, as well as Audible.com. There's links below for both of them. And with Audible.com, you can sign up for free, free trial, and we get a little bit of a kickback from that. It allows us to kind mm-hmm. of keep doing the show, and you guys get a free audiobook to keep. No matter what, you can opt out at any time. It doesn't cost you anything, and everybody wins. So exactly. check out the Audible.com free trial link below. Mm-hmm. Last message, I guess, patrons, we've got that new trivia episode that's going to be coming out really, really soon. And also some other strangeness as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be a fun month coming forward here. And thanks just everyone for being so awesome, so supportive and, and patient too. Definitely. And I'm just really excited to see when those mail outs start making their way over. Because uh, yeah, yeah, that was hilarious. Okay? <laughs> I'll just say we were dropping them in our mailbox. <laughs> And I just like I had this big bag full of them. I was just putting them in, put them in, put them in. Just just in the car. Like, are you serious? You're still putting them in. There? We were thinking to ourselves, like, are they just gonna like not? Like, is this gonna know. be like? There's too many of the same package. Here. Like, like, we can't do this. Is this called snail mail spam or something? Snail like, mail spam. Anyway. Anyways, I was pretty stoked on it all. Yeah. But, yeah. So hit us up when you guys get that, and uh, thank you all so much for listening. Until next time, on into the portal. Your gateway to the bazaar. Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com.